What's really important is you get really clear on you. And the place to start is to understand your strengths and to really get clear on what are those two or three key strengths that are important to me. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Max. Thanks for having me. So where are you uh, currently located? I'm actually in New Zealand on the other side of the world from you and it's the deep dark depths of winter so I'm really cold. I can see you in a t-shirt. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> is it in the World Cup right now, the uh, Women's World Cup? Is it in New Zealand or Australia or is it in both? It's in both, New Zealand and Australia. So we went to the opening game last week which was amazing and hopefully New Zealand gets into the next round. So is it like really busy? Like, Is there a lot of tourism there right now? More coming in, I think, as we get closer to the finals. The first uh, few games have been mostly locals, not overseas tourists, but my husband works in hotels and he's starting to see more people come now. So it'll be a great atmosphere. Wait, so your husband works in a hotel, right? So like, are the players staying at his hotel or are they like dispersed across? Some are. Like, so oh. The teams are playing throughout New Zealand and Australia and they've got hotel bases. But when they play an away game from their base then he's one of the hotels for the away games to Auckland. So, yeah, he's getting some of the teams come through. Okay, and does he enjoy what he's doing right now? Absolutely, absolutely. It's good fun, good atmosphere. And that's a good segue into our main topic of discussion, Emily, is about finding what you're interested in doing yeah. in terms of your second act. Yes. What tends to happen is you get directed in your career path, usually by external influences, such as your parents or uh, education or your friends you end up taking an opportunity that you think would be good for your career and your personal life but then over time you realize that it's not the right fit for you and you're looking in some ways to dive back into what made yeah. you happy younger in order to go into your second act in yeah. something that you're actually interested in doing so Absolutely. before we dive into this topic emily why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners and regards to your expertise and why they should listen to your advice so my career was actually in human resources and my own business, the Leap to Lead, is my second act. So I've certainly had the experience, but also through my role in HR, you know, getting involved in supporting people through their careers as well. So the Leap to Lead is four and a half years old and I'm a transition and leadership coach. So really focusing on supporting people through transi transitions in life. I also lived abroad. I lived in Asia for 12 years. I'm actually Australian, but I haven't lived in Australia for over 20 years. So a lot of circumstances in life dictate sometimes those second acts as well. So a lot of personal experience as well as professional experience coming together to, to really serve people in this space. So you're Australian, but you live in New Zealand, right? Correct. My husband's a Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So are, are, are like the accents or cultures, like how are they similar and different? My accent is very Aussie and twangy. You might not notice the difference, but people here do. Interestingly, our daughters were both born in India and raised in China and Taiwan. So for them, coming to Auckland a couple of years ago was their first time in a Western culture. So we're a very cross-cultural, third-culture family. So yeah, lots of, lots of dynamics. And you've been doing this coaching business for four plus years, right? 
accurate. And in terms of like professionals reaching out to you, what are some of the common challenges that they are stuck in and looking for your guys to overcome? Yeah. So what you described earlier is a lot of people end up accidental careerists. That's what I tend to call it. So you are forced into something by external factors. And, you know, it's really unfair that we ask our kids at school, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because we don't know. And we end up on certain paths that don't necessarily fit us well. And I guess whether we, we all go through transitions of life, whether you're changing state, whether you're changing countries, maybe you are a mother and your kids go to full-time school or you're now an empty nester, or you're in a career and you've got to a certain point where you just go, is this it? There must be more to life. And all those different reasons can lead to the same point of something has to change. And that's the start of the transition journey. And in terms of your own life, it will be showing up in the way you treat yourself, in the way you treat those you love, your friends, your family, and it'll be showing up in a negative pattern. Maybe you're overindulging on chocolate. Maybe you're watching too much television and staying up too late at night, or maybe you're getting really snappy with your family or your friends. And when those things are showing up, it's an opportunity to recognize it and pause and take that step back and really understand what's out of sync here, what, what what's not working for me in my life. And often it is the career or the job. You make a good point about how, like, for example, if you feel stressed at work, you tend to like overindulge in chocolate. As an example, one of the things that or one of the mantras a lot of people or a lot of experts say is that you don't bring your work home. But when you're in a career that you're not happy with, it's very hard to separate work from a personal life. So if you're very stressed out at work, whether it's a toxic culture or combined with what you're not interested in doing, it can definitely give you less energy at home. And that in turn makes people around you, like let's try and engage with you because they see that you had a negative energy and they tend to want to avoid you, right? So- Friends or family, they'll be noticing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you have to be congruent to have a good life in terms of work and life. Like they always say you have to have work-life balance, but I think it's more of a work-life balance for the mindset where you're the same person at work as you're at home. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And it will show up that way. The amount of people I've worked with and young, old, males and females- it doesn't matter. It will show up in how you're treating either yourself or those you love. So if that's happening for you, then it's an opportunity to tune in and ask yourself the question. So what are some questions you should ask yourself when it comes to maybe it's time to make a career transition? Because people have like ruts, so to speak. Maybe they just had a bad week at work. What are some signs where it's just a temporary thing that it's not have to do with actual jobs? Maybe things are not going the way you want. Because again, every job you have, whether you actually are passionate about it or not, do have problems and challenges that you have to overcome. What's the difference between that and the not actually enjoying what you do? Yeah. I think the key is, Max, getting really clear on you, on yourself. And whether it is you continue in the same career, maybe you just change companies, maybe it is a complete overhaul, maybe it is starting your own business. What's really important is you get really clear on you. And the place to start is to understand your strengths and to really get clear on what are those two or three key strengths that are important to me. And there's lots of ways you can go about doing that, but you could, you know, just write them all down on a piece of paper and then go back with a highlighter and find them. You could use post-it notes. 
with some music playing and get yourself into a bit of a zone and get really creative. The key is don't judge yourself. We have a tendency when we want to look at our strengths to look at it and go, mm, but he's better than better than me at that. Or, oh, it's not really a strength. I, oh, I should learn more in that space. And we start judging ourselves very, very quickly. So if you can let go of the judgment, create a space for yourself. For me, it would be going for a walk in the fresh air and just switching off completely and asking the question, what are my strengths? And meditating on it while walking. But everyone works differently. So get really clear on what your strengths are. It's not easy, but it is the absolute core of then being able to make decisions. So you said walking is a good way to like gather your thoughts. What are other types of exercises that listeners can leverage and implement to yep. find those strengths? Because as you said, it could be you have to do a lot of self-discovery to find out your true strengths you that you actually want to like focus yeah. on. So one way to do it is the post-it party, you know, create an atmosphere. So you put a timer on for 10 minutes with great music that you love in a space that you feel relaxed in and literally put up absolutely every skill that you have on the wall and then reset the timer for 10 minutes and go back and look at them, categorize them into themes. And through that process, two or three things should start to stand out for you in terms of what your strengths are. Another way to do it is literally a list, write a list. And what we need to think about is, okay, so I manage my son's soccer team. That involves organization, communication, negotiation. You know, Think about all the skills that you use in everyday life, as well as the technical skills you might have in your job and those soft skills that are important for the role you've got as well. So you've got to think broadly about yourself as a person when collating all of the skills, experiences, expertise that you have, and then draw out your strengths. So when it comes to strengths, we also want to talk about transferable skills. So once you find your strengths, how do you link that to potential jobs or fields or industries? The next step is actually to take those strengths and ask yourself two questions. Firstly, how do I want these strengths to show up in my life? How do I want to use them? It could be that actually they're nothing to do with your career and you use them in a hobby space. It could be that they're personal strengths and you want to make them part of your career. There's lots of different ways, but ask yourself, how do I want these strengths to show up in my life? And then ask yourself, how do I want to use my strengths to serve others? And that will guide you in terms of what sort of role you might be looking at and therefore what sort of industries would make sense and then for companies or starting your own business or whatever else comes out of it. But how do I want my strengths to show up for me and how do I want to serve others with these strengths? That will start to give you that clarity on where it is you're going. So in terms of career transitions, some may want to continue stay, focusing on like job or employment. So let's say they are in project management and they are interested in marketing. So they're looking to get a job in marketing. The other thing you touched upon was maybe starting your own business would be a better avenue to really reconnect with your aspirations for your second act, as you so call it. So yeah. for someone who has never been an entrepreneur or business owner, 
taking that leap instead of just transitioning into another career path. What's your advice and guidance on that front? You know, for some people, this will be a really easy answer in terms of it's a logical step. Actually, this is not my space. I don't want to be in corporate. I don't want to be doing this for companies anymore. I want to do it for myself. For others, it will be a tension of, but I really like the social interaction. I really like the connectivity I get with a company, but my skills are better suited actually doing it for myself. So maybe you jump straight in. Maybe you do it as a side hustle. Maybe you do it on the weekends to start with. If you're in a project management role and you go, actually, the marketing piece is really exciting for me, then what is it about marketing and who do you like working with that excites you? Is it that actually, you know, you're doing a project management role in an IT company, but when it comes to marketing and your hobbies, it's actually art and you actually want to start supporting artists in building their marketing plans? You know, it could be taking completely different options and, as I said, doing it as a side hustle because you don't have to stop one thing completely to start doing another and start to feel feel that fulfilment. What's really important is work out how you can monetize it and how you can actually take it to that next level. So for me, you know, my role was human resources. I'd been doing this work for executives for many years to turn my attention to individuals and a lot of women and mothers, it was a natural step. And to support them through the process, it was a natural step for me. But for you, for the other people, it might be a little bit of a side step. And it doesn't hurt to do a side hustle maybe after hours or on the weekends. If you're fulfilled, you'll find the time and energy to do that. And speaking of career transitions, that you don't have to take that huge leap right off the bat. You can take small steps, as you said, start off yep. with a side hustle, start evenings or weekends first before you go all in. So I, I know a lot of people are impatient. Like I've sp- spoken to professionals that want to go from like marketing to product manager in a couple months. How long yep. does it take to actually make that career transition? And what are the steps in between to get to that goal? That would depend on the individual largely. If you are highly experienced and you are thriving in your career and you've had exposure in all these different areas, you've probably already got the skill set you need to go and do it. I mean, if you've done that strength assessment properly and that comes out for you, then you've already had experience and exposure and it's a space that you, you are ready to move into. In terms of then taking it and starting it as a side hustle or a business, All you need to know is that you've got more experience than someone else, one other person, two other people, and you can start doing it with them as a beta test is what they call it in the industry. You know, offer it to someone and say, hey, I've got this idea. Can I test it on you? I'll charge you a lower rate and you give me feedback and testimonial on the process. So you could actually do it really quickly, but it does take time to start and grow your own business. So if you're in a a big corporate role right now, and you're loving the lifestyle in terms of the money rewards that you're getting from that, you're probably not going to want to switch straight into a business full time unless you've got some really good savings. A side hustle is the right way to go. So be pragmatic about it as well. But if you've done your strengths assessment correctly and these are your passions and you want to use them in your life, then you'll find a way to easily start working with people. Going back to the job aspect of our discussion in career transitions, one of the things that a lot of professionals may face when it comes to transitioning into either a different type of role or field is imposter syndrome. For example, like 
they've been in project manager for 15 plus years. They want to make a change. They're worried that they don't have the skill sets. They worry that they might be behind right out of the gate because they are starting from scratch. What's your thoughts and advice on that? And that's where in the skills assessment, I said, don't apply any judgment because imposter syndrome is going to come from the get-go. The minute you realize I'm in a transition, that imposter syndrome, the way the brain works, it's a chemical reaction. There's no way you can stop it happening. But if you can acknowledge it, then you can easily start to reframe it. And I think that's the key. You will experience fear. That's the fight or flight response. It's a chemical reaction in the brain. You cannot stop it. That fear will come. If you can identify the fear and if you can reframe it as an opportunity, as a next step in your story, a next step in your journey, then you will absolutely be able to move forward. The one thing I always share with my clients is if you don't try, you'll never know. And the minute they start trying, that confidence grows. And, you know, Max, this is where you really come in in terms of your experience and your skills, you know, making sure they're setting themselves up well for interviews, making sure they've got all of that practice under their belt. So when they do get to the stage of applying for a new role, applying for the promotion or changing companies, that they have that confidence in themselves that that part is going to work. I know I can do it. I just need to be really, really firm on my strengths and how I can serve this company or this role using my strengths. And practice with the likes of you, Max, will make it so much more more powerful and stronger as a process. So let's say you've uh, overcome imposter syndrome to a certain extent and you're ready to apply to those jobs. One of the things when it comes to the job search is that companies tend to want to prefer someone that has already done the job in some capacity. So if they're, again, looking for a marketing manager and your last title is a project manager, there is a disconnect. So how are you able to get in the door and showcase those transferable skills from project management to marketing as example to make them want to take a chance on you or at least help move you forward in the interview process at that company and this is where if you're working in a company talking with your current line manager is really important because if you go to them say hey i really like this company i just don't think this role is quite right for me anymore then and you can express actually i want to move from project management into marketing then there's going to be opportunities for secondments, for project work, for, you know, there might even be a role that you can transition with because you've got the advantage of knowing the company and knowing what's going on for that organisation. It's an easy shift. If you don't like your company and you don't like your role and you're wanting to make a big change, then you're going to have to really hone in on those skills and those strengths and be really clear about why they are your strengths and how you want to use them. Because when it comes to writing your CV and your cover letter and the interview process, you've got to be able to sell yourself. I'm not saying it's impossible, but if you're in a company now and it's the role that's the wrong fit, try and do it internally. And you're more likely to get it faster than trying to look to a new company for a new role. You make a good point. A lot of people uh, ignore that avenue in terms of switching roles internally they're more willing to give you a shot because you already know the people you already know the business because yeah. I, I usually say when it comes to career transitions there's three parts to career transition you can either move countries move roles or move uh, industries yeah. some people want to move 
industries and roles at the same time. And that's going to be a lot more difficult compared to staying in the same industry, which would be your current company and trying to make yeah. a transition that way. Yeah. 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 And it is. It, I'm not saying it's impossible. <laughs> I mean, it, anything is possible, especially if you're really clear on your strengths and you know how you want to use them and how you want to serve. Because with that, you know, once you know your strengths, you are more open to opportunities. You can identify where, where you fit better. Everything, you know, it's that, you know, what you see is what you get. The old, is it the old Einstein theory? You know, it's so true. If you're clear on your strengths, you are aware of more opportunities. But if you're in a company and it's just not the right role right now, then talking with your line manager, talking with the head of the other department, talking to human resources, that's how you open up the opportunities. And that's how you can, remember, the talent shortage still exists. You know, COVID might have changed a few things, but we still actually have a talent shortage. Unemployment rates are starting to go up, but there's still a dire need for good people. So if you're wanting to make a shift, it's highly likely your company is going to support you in that process. One of the big fears about career transitions is the thought of having to start over completely, whether it's going uh, to a lower uh, salary to start off with. For example, I, I know a professional that was an office manager slash HR, and yeah. she was making 90K and she wanted to try event marketing. She was also laid off, so she was looking to do something different. And yeah. event marketing, there's an event marketing opportunity that she was able to get from a referral or from her network. And she had to take a pay cut and start at 75K. So that's about a 15K pay cut. So what's your thoughts on that in regards to having to take a step back in order to do what you want and then potentially build up down the road? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's inevitable, especially if you are making a big shift. If you can find a way to sell your current skills in a way that fit that new role, then you may be able to get away with it. But if you're making a big change and it's literally something completely different, then the reality is you're probably going to take some sort of hit on the salary. But if you're working in your area of passion, in your zone of excellence, the opportunity for growth is going to be far greater than in a role where you're not feeling satisfied and you're feeling frustrated. So the short-term loss will be a long-term gain. And if you're excited, if you're passionate, the opportunity to grow the role, to promote, it's all going to come much faster. So obviously, if you've got a family and if you've got other commitments, you need to be really realistic about it. But it's a short-term hit for a long-term gain. You made a good point, right? Because it's hard to do good work if you're not passionate about it. So if you're currently in your role, let's say you make 100000 you're just treading along, treading along water because you're just doing enough to not get fired. But then yeah. eventually over time, someone's going to overtake you that is interested in what they're doing. And then you could be at a job that way. So over the long term, it's not going to work out. Compared yeah. to the short term, let's say you do take a hit, but then you become so passionate in what you're doing. You build up your skills and you become more valuable. And then over time or a lot quicker, depending on... Yeah. how the market is, you actually surpass your older salary. Exactly, exactly. And if you're working in your zone as a genius, the people around you are going to see that and they're going to notice and they're going to want to use your skills at a higher level much faster than if you're in a role treading water. So we're talking about challenges in regards to why people want to make a career transition, which again goes back to Help you helping people start their second act. What are yes. some challenges during the process of career transition that you've seen when working with your clients? 
Do you know, mindset is it. We, we touched on imposter syndrome, but mindset is the biggest barrier to people achieving the level of success they want in life, whether it is a promotion in their current career, whether it is that sideways step, whether it is changing industries, mindset is the barrier. And it all comes down to the Amy G. Dala. She is the frontal lobe of the brain and she is a chemical reaction. And her role, the old fight or flight response, you know, do I fight the bear or do I run away? Now it's about keeping you safe in your current role and not putting you out in a situation where you might fail. And so it becomes an internal self-talk rather than a physical fight or flight response. And as I said, there's nothing you can do to stop that chemical reaction. What you have to do is understand it and ask, Amy, is that really true? Like, okay, there's no point in trying that. You're going to fail. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be spending your time here. No, this is, you shouldn't put yourself out there. No one's going to want to hear from you. you know, these are the sorts of things she says all the time. Is it true? No. 99.9% of the time, what Amy is saying to you internally in your head is not true. And so if you can hear Amy, acknowledge what she's saying. I'm sorry if anyone listening is the name of Amy. I've got one client calls her Priscilla. But if you can hear it, if you can acknowledge it and you can say, no, actually, that's not true. I need to have a go. I can learn what I need to know. I can show up differently if I try this. If you can acknowledge it and answer it, and then you can start to manage that imposter syndrome, the negative mindsets, those spirals that we can get ourselves on, and you can actually start to move yourself forward. The absolute key, while that's a barrier, is to take action. There is no point in thinking about these things and never taking action. So whether it is, you know, doing that strengths assessment, identifying your key strengths and saying, okay, this is where I want to go. What's one thing you're going to do this week to make that a reality? You know, you've got to take action with it. Yeah, exactly. Like no one rewards you for being a uh, world-class ready after <laughs> saying goes, right? Love that so, well done. so in terms of like, taking action, what would be like the first few steps of at least starting to make that career transition? It depends again on who you are and what you're doing. For most people, for most of my clients, that first step is actually using their diary to allocate time for the transition. So allocating time to do the strengths assessment, allocating time to think, well, what does that mean? How does that show up for me? How do I serve in this space? If you don't allocate time, it won't happen. If you don't put it in your diary, it won't happen. It'll always be a, I really should get to that. So that is often the first step is using your diary. And once you know what it is, then using your diary to say, right, is my CV relevant? If this is what I want to do, what updates do I need to make? Who can I talk to? Who in my network can I go and reach out to to talk about this opportunity? If it's moving within your company, making time with your line manager, with HR, with the head of that department so you can talk to them about what it might look like. If you don't put things in your diary, it won't happen. Yeah, like one of the things that I tell people when it comes to making your goals a reality is you have to tell people because if you just like have internal thoughts and you don't write it down or tell people, then you're not holding yourself accountable. If you told a bunch of people that you're looking to make a career transition, they're going to hold you accountable say, oh, how's that career transition going, right? And then you're going to start feeling embarrassed because you haven't really done anything. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, I, you know, I had one client I've just finished working with who literally went from an accidental career to her dream job. And, you know, when she got ready for that next phase, I said to her, I said, you know, this is going to be a bit like first dates. You know, it's going to be a bit awkward. It's going to feel a bit icky. But once you get past it, you know, you might find the right match. And so when she got to LinkedIn, she used that quote to open up the fact she was looking for roles. And she said, look, you know, this is what someone said to me. So I'm putting it out there. Who wants to help me get past the icky phase and started the conversation in in a really fun way. So you don't have to go and say, look, I'm going to go, I'm I'm a project manager. I want to be in a marketing role now, you know, you could just go and say, look, I'm exploring my options right now. I think I might be interested in going into marketing. What do you know about it? You can take it in a really casual, non-confrontational, no expectations. You can take it from an approach of easy rather than setting up, you know, a really formal process as well. So don't feel like you've got to be absolutely clear before you start talking to people. Just be ready to start those conversations. You know, your previous boss, talk to them. You know, what did you like about what I did with you? What do you think about this opportunity? Hopefully you're still on good terms. But (laughs) use the people in your network to open up the doors and start the conversations. When it comes to making career transitions, you're going to get rejections, right? They might say, I really like your enthusiasm for wanting to make a switch. However, we just want someone with a bit more experience. That's usually a common rejection reason when it comes to trying to make a career transition. So how do you coach and encourage your clients to overcome these types of rejections during their career transition phase? And I don't think it's unique to career transitions, anything you want to do in life. The more no's you get, the closer you are to a yes. And it can literally be a numbers game. You might want to refine how you're pitching yourself. If it's a straight out no three times in a row and there's no even not even any interest, maybe your CV is not reflecting your skills and strengths in relation to this role. Maybe you're not talking to the right people. So the first one, water for ducks back. Second one, that's okay, keep going. Third one, okay, maybe I need to refine something. But as I said before, we're still in a talent shortage. If you're a good operator, if you're a good employee, if you're passionate about what you do, people are going to want you. I mean, that hasn't changed. The aging population hasn't changed. The COVID didn't change that. So yes, economic times are getting tougher, but there's still a lack of good people out there. So don't be afraid. Every no takes you closer to a yes. You touch upon a good point when it comes to like the recession, like the economy's not doing good right now. I'm not sure it was like in New Zealand, Australia, but in the North America, you hear a lot on the news about the recession, yeah. interest rates going up, people bouncing mortgages, all that. Yep. So my question to you is, is it a good time to make a career transition now when there's so much economic uncertainty? Again, it goes back to what you said with Amy about like, yeah. Amy trying to keep you safe. So yeah. yes, this might not be the best job you want. It might not be your yeah. dream job, but at least it's paying the bills right now. And with so much yeah. uncertainty, you don't want to make a career transition yeah. and you end up falling flat on your face. Because one of the uh, things is, from my experience, like just seeing people getting laid off, usually how layoffs work is when someone gets hired uh, recently, they're mm-hmm. usually the first one to get let go because yeah. they're also the most expensive because they're an external hire and the fact that they don't have a lot of experience. So they yeah. tend to get laid off first compared to the more seasoned professionals. Yes. So what's your thoughts on trying to make a career transition when there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the world? 
couple of things. Firstly, I think Australia and New Zealand might be about six months behind the Northern Hemisphere in terms of where we're at. So we're not in massive layoff phase yet. It is happening, but in discrete industries. Secondly, the talent shortage hasn't gone away. I know I've said it three times now, but it has not gone away. The ageing population is still ageing. So be aware of the industries that are suffering. You know, if you're in a tech industry right now, probably not the best time to go and say, you know, I'm going to go and do something else completely different. Maybe that's your opportunity to move internally. The first in, first out is natural because you're the cheapest to get rid of. And that's just a reality of business. And when you're going through redundancies, you don't want to be paying out a huge amount of money. So in HR, that's always the approach you took. We often tried to work with our clients to place people rather than just letting them go. So, you know, you could go and talk to HR about the shift you want to make. There might be something else happening that you don't know about. But also, I mean, the industries that are really suffering here, the building industry, for example. So, you know, unless you're a labourer, the hotels still need good people in all departments. You know, the universities, yes, some sectors are laying off, but other sectors are growing, like the marketing teams at universities are growing. Think about what it is you want. Think about what's happening around in the economy and does it actually apply to you and what you are looking for? Or is there a way that you can pivot that to make it an opportunity? That's some good words of encouragement. Like, it doesn't matter whether the economy is good or bad. Like, people are aging and they eventually have to retire, right? So, again, like, things are always moving regardless of whether the economy is good or not. Yeah. And, you know, if you had said to yourself, oh, look, you know, pandemic, it's really not time to change jobs. Here we are three years later. You're still in a job you don't like. If you say to yourself now, oh, recession is not the right time to change job. Guess what? In two or three years time when the economy turns, you're still going to be in a job you don't like. So I'm not suggesting anyone just go and make a massive shift out of the blue. You're going through a process of being really clear about what you want, looking at your strengths, and then looking at ways that you can do it that make sense. And it it could be that doing it internally in the company you're in now is a great way to do it, especially in the current economic times. It could be starting that side hustle. It's the perfect time to do it. So at the end of the recession, you're ready to go out on your own. It could be actually your industry is one that's impacted and now is the best time to change industries. So it doesn't really matter which way you're coming at it. There will be an opportunity for you. Just pivot the way you're thinking about it and don't let Amy G. Dala take over. So let's say they are able to make that successful career transition. Obviously, like they got the job and they're really excited and now the real work begins, right? So now they're, again, going back to the imposter syndrome, I'm worried I'll make a mistake. I worry that I oversold myself and now they realize I'm not as good as I said I was. So what's your advice in terms of the first 30 to 90 days in order to ensure that they hit the ground running in their new job in this new phase of their career, which you call the second act? Yeah. Do you know what? You're going to make mistakes. That's life. We all do it. It doesn't matter how long you've been in a job. Everyone makes mistakes. It's just you learn to deal with them better. So if you go into your new role feeling nervous, feeling anxiety about, oh, God, please don't make a mistake, don't get it wrong, you will. You're going to. You've got to just change the way you think about it. Hey, I've got an amazing opportunity here. Let me see what I can do differently. You're coming with a new perspective. You've been hired for a reason. They've checked you through the screening process and through the interview process. You have not oversold yourself. You are ready for this. You know, what opportunities can you bring to them? What interesting perspective can you bring to the new role? 
what experience can you bring to the role that maybe they haven't thought about? There's so many things that you have that are unique to you that you're going to be able to offer in the new role. So in the first 30 days, you are really going to be learning new systems, new faces, new names, new personalities, and the politics of wherever you are. That's all you're going to do in 30 days. You'll make mistakes, own up to them, fess up, fix it. Just get on with it. Beyond 30 days is when you can start to say, hey, I noticed that you're doing X, Y, Z. Have you ever thought about trying A, B, and C? You know, especially, you know, the example we've been using through this conversation, if you're going from a project manager role to a marketing role, you've got some really good process concepts that someone in marketing who's a creative won't have. You could put some really good systems in place that they probably haven't thought about. You know, you can bring a different skill set and a different opportunity to, to the role and to the to whatever it is, the company or organization you're joining. So 30 days is just learning systems processes, making mistakes, owning up, fixing them where you can. Beyond that, what is it you can bring? What is it that is interesting that you can offer and unique that you can bring to that? You make a good point in terms of like, yes, you might not have the actual experience in the role, but it gives you the opportunity to have an outside perspective. So you may be able to implement different systems that work well in project management that could also work in, well in marketing. Or from an industry perspective, if you've been in the automotive space for about 10 years and there's some good systems that have been in place in the automotive industry and you switch to, let's say, healthcare, you could actually take those systems that you believe it worked really well and implement those into healthcare. So just because you don't have industry experience, it actually could be a benefit because you're giving them an outside perspective that someone that's been in the industry for many years may not be able to identify. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, the example you just gave, I had a client who worked in the automotive industry and the piece of component he worked on actually was very similar to what went into respirators. So guess what he did during COVID? <laughs> he moved from automotive to healthcare to start making that component for respirators. We are adaptable. We are so resilient and so adaptable as people. You've just got to be really clear on your strengths and how they serve and then your unique opportunity, your unique perspective. That's the value. That's the value you're going to bring. And if you're passionate about it, it'll be noticed. Have you ever worked with a client that regretted their career transition? And if so, like, what was the outcome of that? can't think of one specific there's one I'm working with at the moment and I've been working with her now for a long time I helped her into a leadership role only for her to realize she doesn't want to be a leader it's not her space she wants to be a subject matter expert so now we're working on changing that role again and moving her into a new organization I think when we started talking about you know career transitions and transitions that happen for all of us when you're doing this what you need to be really clear about is what's right for me for this next phase of my life. We're not answering it for the rest of your life because nobody knows what life has in store for us. Nobody knows what that journey is going to look like yet. We're answering it for the next phase, for this moment in time that makes sense, two years, five years, what makes sense to you? And if you focus on the here and now, rather than trying to go, I have to do this for the rest of my life, then again, you become really adaptable, really resilient, and you can move around easily. I don't think you'll ever regret trying something new. You might realize it's not the right thing for you as you move into the next phase of your life, but I don't think regret's the right word in terms of how you'd feel. I think 
every path we take is an opportunity and it makes us who we are and, and gives us our uniqueness. You make a good point. Like people say, oh, what if this career transition is not right for me? But it's better to know now than later. So let's say your client procrastinated for, let's say, 10 years instead of taking action now. And then they finally take that leadership role and then realize it's not for them. They've actually wasted 10 years of their time to get that leadership role, realizing that's not for you. A common thing is like in your 20s, it's not about finding what you want to do. It's about finding a whole bunch of stuff you don't want to do. So then you, yeah. in your 30s and 40s, know what path you want to follow. So it's better to know now than to worry about if it's going to work or not later down the road. Yeah. And the era that our parents grew up in where you have a career for life, it's gone. Yeah. People are going to move. They're going to adapt, which is why, you know, we said if you're in a big company or in our company, the opportunity to move is probably quite real because people do change. You know, your circumstances change, your wants change, what excites you changes. So just answer the question for the next period of your life. And that's a great way to wrap up our conversation, Emily. And before we close off today, I tend to ask this question to all my guests when it comes to my podcast, which is about helping professionals overcome common career challenges to help them get to the next level. So for you, throughout your career journey, what was one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Do you know, when we moved to Asia, living in Hong Kong, I could work easily in human resources and legally, very easily. As a dependent, I could get a job easy then moved to India, Mumbai, and then Delhi. And I couldn't work in the traditional sense. And so I did some coaching and I did a bit of retraining and I volunteered a lot. And then we moved to Chongqing in China. No one's ever heard of it, biggest city in the world. And nobody speaks English. And so I couldn't work again. And so we got to Taipei. I was like, do you know what? I can't just keep volunteering my time. I have to do something different. I have to do something meaningful for me. And that's when I made the decision to start my business. So we all have challenges in life. Mine was living in Asia for 12 years, <laughs> but I was able to turn it into an opportunity and, you know, loving what I'm doing and really passionate about, you know, shaping people's lives as a result of the work we do. Challenge is something everybody faces. You know, it's, life's a roller coaster. You're going to face challenges. It's just how you zone in on those and how you reframe them and move past them and take action. And how can people learn more about what you do in terms of coaching and how you can help them? Well, if anyone wants to do a strength assessment, I do have a free assessment available, theleaptolead.com forward slash guide. My website is theleaptolead.com, but I'm on social media, the Leap to Lead. Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. But yeah, reach out. I have a free call option. So if anyone gets sparked by something on this, then book a call with me. Let's chat. Let's brainstorm together. Again, I appreciate the time, Emily. And I hope a lot of my listeners are going to take action in their next phase and start their second act. Thank you, Max. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.